what I'm asking each of us to do is step out of the shelter of human constructs that we've created to keep ourselves safe and start to explore freedom and expansion and real light explosive capacity. From To Be Magnetic, this is The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As the leading destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Expanded. We have got such a good episode for you today. Before we jump in, I wanted to give a huge shout out and thank you to our event and event sponsors and for everyone that came out on Saturday for our journal launch party and also everyone that came out to Moon Juice to meet Lacey and I for the journal signing. Thank you guys so much. It was honestly such an incredible time connecting with the community forgot how much I really missed talking about manifestation with like-minded individuals and just really connecting in person. It's been such a wild year. I especially wanted to thank Secular Sabbath for putting on the event and our sponsors, Apollo Neuro, which is a wearable touch therapy scientifically created to help the body and nervous system recover from stress. We paired the Apollo Neuro wristbands that vibrate and calm your nervous system on the meditation and mindfulness setting during the deep imagining drop-in at the event last weekend, and it was fantastic. And I would also like to thank Little Saints who is bringing our mocktail experience to the event. They are a non-alcoholic, plant-based, sugar-free mocktail with CBD, terpenes, and adaptogens. So today we welcome Zach Bush back on the podcast. His episode was one of our highest streams in the past year. So you guys obviously really loved his past episode and we're so excited to have him back on again. He's a physician specializing in internal medicine, endocrinology, and hospice care, an internationally recognized educator and thought leader on the microbiome, ecosystems, and human genomics, and understanding the balance between the gut brain access. So it's so fascinating how certain spiritual lessons hit you at different times. When I first listened through this episode, so much of it kind of went over my head. And I remember listening and having certain takeaways and then listening back again, going through the edit. I had so many different perspectives and felt like it was a completely new episode. So it's so interesting to see how you really take 
the information that applies to you at different times when it is in alignment. So I know you guys are going to love this episode. Lacey and Zach really dive into all things spirituality, the ecosystem of the planet, being in one with nature, and really connecting to ourselves in those moments of silence. And Zach's team is offering a 10% coupon for TBM listeners with the coupon code TBM10 for their starter bundle, which includes their ion gut support, skin support, which Zach and Lacey talk about the episode, and their sinus support. So check the link in the show notes if you're interested in that as well. And before we jump into the episode, we have Isabella back on. She was a process guest from earlier in the year, and she's gone on to manifest some really important things. But I saw her share on Instagram the other week of how the timing and alignment of how she manifested her apartment and how she furnished her apartment was perfect because if it moved any faster, her nervous system would not have been able to handle it. So anyone going in a magic dark at this moment or not feeling worthy of their manifestations or really feeling the pressure of timing when calling things in, her tip is going to be so helpful. So enjoy that and enjoy the episode. Hey manifestors, this is Isabella. I just wanted to check in and let you guys know about some of the things that I've manifested and some of my blocks since my podcast episode came out in August. One of the things that I was really manifesting since I had just moved to Mexico City was I needed an apartment because I was sick of living out of Airbnbs. Initially, I really wasn't getting anywhere with that manifestation. And I realized it's because I was asking for a lot of things out of fear. For example, I wanted a furnished apartment when the real reason that I was asking for a furnished apartment was because I didn't trust my own sense of style to furnish an apartment. And I also was afraid of commitment, of committing to being here long term. I did a lot of journaling and I ended up changing my list. I was looking for something that truly reflected city life because I realized that's what actually drew me to Mexico City. So I wanted something that was like a high rise, skyline views, all for under 1500. Once I made that list, things came through very quickly. Within a few days, I found the building I wanted online. A few days later, I went to see it. I started to feel a little bit overwhelmed, like this was just way too nice for me. But when I actually got inside of the unit, the woman who was living there had pictures of Rio de Janeiro all over the walls. I really took that as a sign. I bit the bullet. I (laughs) paid for it. And while this was all happening, you know, I was waiting to move into my apartment. It was time to manifest furniture because I chose intentionally an unfurnished apartment so that I could express my authentic self through design. I was really blocked. I couldn't find anything that I liked. Everything was really over budget. I did the trigger DI and I found that my block was that I felt that I'm too feminine. I wasn't finding what I wanted because I was trying to force myself to be less feminine. I did the work to unblock that and I finally listened to the ping and to my friend to go to this furniture store, Gaia Design. I got there and I was like, fuck it, I'm getting everything fucking pink, like no shame around being feminine. Originally on my list, I wrote that I wanted to furnish my entire apartment for less than $5,000. And I found everything I wanted for less than $3,000. So that was perfect. 
And then from there, you know, move-in day happened. And as soon as I got to the apartment on move-in day, my stomach dropped. And my first thought was, oh my God, I don't deserve this. I instantly started spiraling into low self-worth and just telling myself, oh my God, I'm going to lose my business, lose my job. I'm not going to be able to afford this. So I really had to try to calm myself as the movers were moving in. And of course, that nervous system distress and low self-worth was totally reflected because the movers broke my bed and a few other things were delayed moving in. I just kept doing the reinforcing deservingness DI as well as the trigger DI and the soothe DI to try to like calm my nervous system to accept the gifts that the universe was trying to give to me because the universe was trying to give me everything I wanted and it was only my nervous system that didn't feel prepared to take everything. The next step was I just needed to wait for those other items and also manifest art. So I put together my list for my first piece of art. I wanted it to be less than $300 to feature a woman and to be pink tones to go over my pink couch. I had one test at the art museum, but for some reason it just like didn't vibe. The energy just wasn't working. And then the very next day I went for a walk around my neighborhood, took a wrong turn on my way home and ended up at an art gallery. I had a ping to go in, but I didn't because I just assumed that there would be nothing at an art gallery that I could afford. The ping kept getting stronger as I walked away. Finally, I went back, walked in, the owner introduced himself. He was like, yeah, everything here is between $5 and $5,000. So I ended up finding the perfect piece, everything on my list for $200, bought it right there and then, took it home, hung it up, everything started to feel like it was coming together. The next thing I manifested was a free trip to Brazil. I ended up being able to fly down business class to see my family. While I was in Brazil, I did the up-level workshop, kept doing the Reinforcing Deservingness DI, and I got an email that my bed was finally ready. And it was going to be delivered the day after I got back from Brazil. So I get back, just keep working on calming my nervous system. Finally, my bed comes, everything came together. I was, you know, I hung up the paintings I bought. And as I was looking at my apartment, I realized it was my perfect dream apartment that I never thought was possible. That all of the art and furniture fully reflected my authentic self and my inner sense that I was trying to express through design. And if I had had all of those pieces together on the day that I moved in, I would have had an even bigger meltdown because my nervous system and my sense of deservingness were not there yet. So as I was reinforcing deservingness every day, that portal kind of opened larger and allowed for these things to come in piece by piece as my nervous system was ready for them. This was the process that was most nurturing. So I just want to remind, you know, manifestors, if you're in a magic dark or if things seem to be going more slowly than you would like, just relax because it's coming to you. This formula works for everyone. It's just that your nervous system needs a little bit more time to relax and to settle in before it can receive all of these manifestations. Because sometimes if you receive everything that you want at once, it's just too stressful for your nervous system to be able to tolerate. And because of that, you would probably sabotage it. So anyway, happy manifesting, guys. And, you know, you can always feel free to check out my Instagram where I have a highlight of pictures of my apartment and little stories about how I manifested all of the objects. And feel free to reach out anytime if you want to chat. I'm totally available to the community. 
And now, a word from our partners. So I have a funny mini manifestation story for you. You've heard Jessica and I both talking about blue blocks the entire year and me personally a couple of years now, far before we partnered together this year to elevate this podcast and take it to the next level, bringing you top guests like we've been doing. What a beautiful story that we came to partner together. Within that, this is actually really cute because I'm one of those bedside readers. I love to read before bed to help me just really sink into quiet, calm, relaxed, and ready for sleep. However, I'm crazy. Speaking of blue blocks, you can listen to the two episodes I have with founder Andy Mant, where we talk about why I don't have any lights on in the bedroom in the evening. I only have candlelight. And so to read, it's really, really hard (laughs) in the candlelight. So I've been Googling actually for months and months, incandescent reading lamp, like a book reading lamp, the ones that you can clip to your book and read with and nothing comes up. And I'm like, why has somebody not invented this during this time? And then totally out of nowhere, founder Andy Mann shipped me one of their new products, which is their Lumi Clip Sleep Plus, which is exactly that. It's a rechargeable 100% blue and green light free little book clip light that houses their Sleep Plus technology. So not only does this allow me to read perfectly fine now, but it also doesn't provide any sleep disrupting blue and green light. It's flicker free, zero EMF, and on top of it all, it gives off a warm and relaxing campfire feel, just like the candle that's burning by my bedside. And so now I can actually read by the bedside. And literally when I opened this up, completely unexpected, didn't know it was coming to me, didn't know they had invented this. I opened it and I was like, ah, thank you universe. So this is a total mini manifestation. And I wanted to share that with you. It's only a $29 product. So if you're anything like me and you're a candle lighter, you would probably be lit up about that. So go ahead and check out www.blueblocks.com forward slash pages forward slash magnetic. The discount of 15% will automatically be added to your order or use the code all caps magnetic M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C for 15% off your order. One of our favorite brands that we've partnered with is Beekeepers Naturals. Not only that, but we've recorded an episode with founder Carly. You can see that linked below. And this season, I've particularly loved Beekeepers Naturals for immunity for a number of reasons. Because my body's been working so hard at producing milk, it means that there have been quite a few times that my immunity has dropped in the last couple of months. So without fail, I use the Bee Immune Throat Spray every single day, four squirts in the back of my throat. I, in fact, just used this last week, and the next day I woke up without a cold, which I was so, so, so grateful for. However, when we did get a cold about a month and a half ago, which I do believe in. I believe in the body really needs to deal with colds. I think it's really great to stimulate immunity once a year. And when that did happen, and of course I gave it to Max, I did save Teddy from getting it simply by squirting breast milk in her nose every couple of hours. But of course Max did get it. And so we definitely used their Bee Soothe Honey Lozenges, which were a total lifesaver. Not only soothing, but they have obviously the propolis, which is unbelievable, hands down for immunity, zinc and vitamin D. 
And then of course my daily staple when I do have the luxury of taking a bath is I use their bee powered honey, which is propolis royal jelly and the bee pollen on my face as a mask. Watch out if you start that ritual, your face is going to be unbelievably glowy. Every time I do it, I always get a compliment when I'm out and about, what are you doing with your skin? So I keep it in my bathtub at all times. What I think makes a big difference about beekeepers is it's almost like you have an entire medicine cabinet at your disposal inside your house, and it's all from the power of bees. You've heard me talk about it in prior partnership communications, but they take the highest standard when it comes to working with bees in the environment. Not only is it the most non-toxic and cleanest, but the way they treat their queen and their hives is unlike any other brand that we know of. So truly, I believe in this product that serves so many uses, and they do have a really cool new product out called Bee Biome, which is complete gut health. It's a pre, pro, and postbiotic, which supports gut health, microbiome, brain, and immune function, and helps regulate the inflammation that naturally occurs in the gut. If you are wanting to create your beekeeper's natural medicine cabinet, Go ahead and use the code, all caps, TBM, for 15% off at checkout. So again, that code is all caps, TBM, for 15% at checkout. All right, on to the episode. Welcome back. We are so happy to have you. You were by far the most popular and top rated episode of last year. Well, that couldn't have happened without you. So I appreciate (laughs) the opportunity to be back. (laughs) Thank you so much. I made the joke earlier before because we were having a green room issue that it was Mercury retrograde. And I was so curious to hear. I'm like, do you believe in that? And then I loved your response. (laughs) My response was something along the lines of, I I believe that the stars are dictating far more of our reality than we would ever want to know. (laughs) And I completely, completely agree. I want to kick right off. Like, let's just get right into it. I love the work you've been up to lately. I personally struggled with infertility for five years, still never got to the root of it unexplained. I have my thoughts of what it was, something that I get broached about the most. Let's talk about sterilization and your research and everything you're finding on it. Yeah, it's a fascinating kind of intersection of environmental human health and what we might just call natural law. There's just these systems of checks and balances that are beginning to reveal themselves in biology that are showing us that it is impossible to be healthy on a sick planet. And in fact, the induction of disorder and dysfunction within the biology of the planet has a direct and corollary effect on that of humanity. So when we start to talk about things like fertility, and there's a temptation to take this as kind of a egocentric issue there. This is a human crisis of of infertility as we see more than a 55% drop in sperm counts in men in all Western countries over the last 40 years. Or we see that polycystic ovarian syndrome is likely now affecting one in four girls globally in different areas. And that's only one of the multitude of, of causes of infertility in women now. Your unknown category that you mentioned is now like a full 15% of 
infertility in general. So it's, it's just this stunning amount of dysfunction in our capacity. And there's a temptation to turn that into a human story of, well, you're not eating well enough, you're not doing this, it's your fault somehow. And the bigger story that starts to unfold is that we are starting to be witness to a collapse in human fertility as a direct result of the destruction of fertility at the soil level, at the planetary level. And when we destroy ecosystems through widespread use of herbicides, pesticides, and chemical farming, then we further decimate that biodiversity through our pharmaceutical relationship, whether it be at the crop level or at the human level with antibiotics or in our meat production industries where we see massive antibiotic usage somewhere around 35 Let's see, I'm probably going to misquote the number of tons now, but it's grotesque. 7.7 million tons. Let's see, no, 7.7 million pounds of antibiotic are put into humans, and then somewhere around 35 million pounds of antibiotic are put into just the meat that we consume. And so you've got this 5x distribution of, of antibiotic through that food production system on the protein side. And then the most ubiquitous chemical antibiotic on Earth is that glyphosate molecule that's popular in the Roundup weed killers. That functions as a potent antibiotic, and we're applying that at logarithmically higher levels than just the antibiotics themselves. And that's at about 4 billion pounds of antibiotic into global soil systems that get into our water systems and ultimately in about 75% of the air we breathe, 75% of the rainfall in the United States. So it's just a, a devastating reality of what we've done through the microbial sterilization of systems throughout the earth. And we're at this nexus now of discovering that human biology extraordinarily is not centered upon the human cell, but human biology is instead rooted in human health, if you will, rooted in to this vast ecosystem of microbiology within our bodies and within the systems that we touch around us, the soil, the water, the air. And so when we start to look at your infertility crisis or any woman that walks into my clinic, we have to start to see it as a symptom of a greater crisis at hand. And I think that's important because there's this deep personal, spiritual crisis that comes. And this has you know, come very close to my personal journey recently, finding out that I had developed antibodies to uh, sperm and things like that, that had dropped my fertility in recent years. So there's just this very personal journey riding alongside your journey, riding alongside humanity's journey as we see these incredible shifts in our capacity for procreation. And it's really starting to bring into focus that expiration date for species when we start to see the final collapse of fertility within the next 50 years, we can start to map out what that extinction would look like and what the exact mechanisms of it will look like, which just calls into action a new opportunity. And that's why we're here today talking is not because it's dismal, but, but in fact, once we know the problem, human ingenuity aligned with nature has so many solutions to be witnessed, to be discovered, to be celebrated. And so that's that's why we're spending time on this today. Yeah, we touched on this a little bit last time, but what do you find would be the most innovation as well as the most ancient ways we could take action right now as a species? Yeah, so certainly coming back into alignment with our value systems is going to be very, very important for us to make the revolutionary, you know, highly disruptive sea change like 
actions that are going to be necessary to bring about a reversal of this extinction journey. And the natural law that sits within that says that if we bring to light the importance of recognizing reverence and respect for every living thing, whether it be a tree or another human being, bringing ourselves into this natural law, this natural awareness of the reverence and respect that is owed to each of those beings puts us in a completely different relationship to all things that we would create from here. And so whether we think about innovating technology or the built world of homes and roads and bridges, and how do we start to reimagine all of that within the context of natural systems? How do we start to think about socioeconomic, sociopolitical systems? This is where I get so stimulated. This is what I spend every waking hour doing is thinking about how nature has shown us how each of these systems can be recreated within her context, within her template. And this natural law seems to boil down to this issue of dominion. The moment we think that we own something or we own another person is the moment we we take away the power of the relationship with that thing. And so we need to begin to see everything, whether it be our relationships with land, our relationships with what we think of as natural systems or nature, whether it be socioeconomics, we need to start to be in a state of this shepherding or stewardship rather than ownership of these relationships. And by doing that, I think we're going to fundamentally see a realignment of our expectations, our beliefs, and and the ways in which we do it. So in a nutshell, switching from dominion or ownership over to the stewardship model, switching over from this state of belief that we are born into this world to steadily climb some vertical ladder towards some hierarchical purpose or hierarchical earning category or hierarchical power structure, we need to create a web of life within those systems instead of some hierarchical version. And we can get there when we start to reframe our role as stewards rather than owners of these things. What does that look like in your own life? It's disruptive. You know, it really is disruptive. And I don't want to downplay this. It's super disruptive for my approach to running companies, which is disruptive to the sense of reality and the sense of expectations for anybody joining my companies. It's disruptive to uh, my personal relationships, whether it be with family or friends. It's disruptive because up until now, we've been given such a clear model of exclusivity of relationship exclusive relationship of myself to my company, exclusive relationship of myself to my children or my children to myself, because I use the term my, those are my children. This exclusivity has been so baked into our understanding uh, in our romantic relationships. You are my person. You know, we have this dominion or ownership that's baked in there and it gives us comfort because it makes us feel safe. But unfortunately, it disempowers, I believe, all of the potential within that relationship, whether it be to your office to your romantic partner, whatever it is. And so it's disruptive as we start to apply these relationships, which start to go, if I could use the term vertical, when we start to lose this horizontal codependence and this exclusive nature, and we start to open ourselves up to the possibility that each individual as a sovereign individual, that sovereignty that is within that individual 
demands and actually facilitates the delivery of all that it could need directly from source. And if you are comfortable with the concept of God or you're comfortable with concept of universe, I guess you know one way to present this kind of source concept of do you believe that something can come from nothing? The answer to that question for you happens to be no, something has to come from something. Then I would just say, what is that something for you? What is the something from which you come from? whether that be an intellect or an energy being out there or an energy source, whether that be a star field, whatever you can wrap your head around, of where is your origin? Where do you come from? What is the something outside of yourself? And then recognize that you come directly from that and therefore are completely capable of being fulfilled through that space. You are fulfilled by the star field. You're fulfilled by the intelligence of the universe, God, whatever you want to put on that. And in that fulfillment, there is no needs left. And that, that would fundamentally change this chronic state of sense of, state of lack, the state of insufficient funds, insufficient love, insufficient you know, recognition. And so we need to move from this scarcity mindset over to this experience of ubiquitous energy. There is ubiquitous energy being delivered to you directly from your source. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is going to be the salvation and revolution that we can all look forward to for our species, for each individual within the species. But it will be disruptive. And it is very difficult because if you start to let go of exclusive systems and say we need inclusive systems, it, it makes people feel uncomfortable, rejected, unnecessary, unwanted, unneeded, because they're used to that co kind of dependence that happens in these exclusive relationships that we create with the world around us. And so inclusive only becomes possible when you're coming straight from source with all of your energy, all of your needs, you know, all of your, your sense of fulfillment. But it is difficult. It's challenging. I'd, I'll, I'll warn everybody that. That's the disclaimer as you start to live life this way. Yeah. I mean, I even think of my own daughter who's six months and, you know, self-soothing, which what is that really? And essentially what you're getting at in a way, theoretically, is that all of us kind of avert to wanting a sense of control and safety. So we're not evolving out of these learned habits or patterns or systems that we've been taught in order to be able to be so full, to not need that sense of ownership, essentially, that sense of control, that sense of safety. And that's so powerful to even theorize and think about what are some steps that you've taken, just lining out some examples for somebody to meditate on deeper and think about deeper their own role at this moment with their relationship to everything in their lives. Meditation and, you know, or in a more general sense, just the simplicity of silence is by far and away the best tool that I've personally found. But that's, you know, my own character, my own personality expressing itself through this human journey. So you may find in your personality that it's much more external processing that you need or the like, but I've rarely found an individual that doesn't deeply benefit from the encouragement to dive deeper into silence, dive deeper into the quietness. And then once you get in that quiet space, acknowledge what you're feeling. 
not just in your heart and your your head because those are those are not terribly informative those are reactive states but the beingness state what are you feeling at the state of being that's going to happen deep in your belly and so that kind of space between your belly button and the floor of your pelvis this in the chinese practice of qigong for example that's called the danqian this this holy space in which dwells the projection of your soul there and that space is really untouchable it can't that soul as far as we understand energetics is not where you carry trauma it's not where you carry the memory of the human experience of abandonment or some sort of psychosocial psychospiritual psychosexual trauma that's happened that happens in your tissues that happens out in this peripheral system of memory but it does not happen to this energetic center, this reflection of the pure soul state that is eons old, likely in its formation. And so learning to sink your attention down into this floor of the pelvis kind of space, what do you know there? And finding that connection to a deep sense of purpose. What is your massive transformative purpose to being here right now? I know you have one because you've showed up at the tipping point of biology on a planet that has been 4 billion years in its makeup. And here we sit at a tipping point of a great extinction event and you showed up right now. 200,000 years of Homo sapiens sapiens and you showed up right now. I fail to believe that that was by accident. I think this is by grand design that you're here with us that you tuned into this podcast as part of this grand design of your exploration of self, of your exploration of this massive transformative purpose that lies within you. So finding the silence, finding the connection to that space is going to be a critical part of your maturation in this moment when the world is forcing this. I guarantee in the last two years, each of you has had some sense of your reality, your freedom, your trajectory, torn away, destroyed, deconstructed, whether it be your relationships or your work or your place of living, everything is being in an upheaval state right now. We've come to a, the end of a 50,000-year epoch in human history, and a new one is birthing. The reverberations of the, the birth canal that we're currently in seem to settle down by the end of this decade, and then we begin another 50,000-year journey on the planet. And whether we do that in some other ethereal state as we go through our hospice moment as a, as a species and we let go of these bodies and we vibrate into energetic states throughout the, the recreation of life on this earth in a different form, or we reconcile, we bring into coherence the human condition, the human mind, the human ingenuity with those natural states of law and those natural law systems that would bring us into that alignment with, with a not only survival mechanism, but an actual regenerative process where we create more life, not less. We see the abundance explode on the planet with the co-creation of humanity and the source nature that we live within. These possibilities all lie deep within you. And so listening down into that space is critical. I've been in a group for the last few years of friends and colleagues that have been focused on learning how to speak from this space. So once you've been in silence long enough to really start to hear the vibration there, and it may not be a language you're hearing, there may not be words flowing out of there when you, you focus your attention in, that's more of a sense of feeling you know truth, you know what your truth is. But then to be able to start to speak from that, you'll be surprised what comes out of your mouth. I constantly find this on podcasts that people are like, that's the best one you've ever done. And I say, I don't even remember what I said because it wasn't really me speaking this thing because in fact, there's some deeper wisdom. There's a deeper source of information that you can tap into in that Don Chan space and in that 
holy of holies within you, there's a purpose, there's a clarity that you can speak from. And when you get into that space, your confidence level and who you are and what you're here to do will increase steadily. There's so much there that, you know, we could depict, but it's really one message and it's such a perfect one and such a beautiful one. I talk about you often with friends and we're always like, he's a channel. He's a pure channel. <laughs> so I love that you say that. I know for myself, I remember like opening up spiritual books in my early 20s and my consciousness just wasn't there. I would be sitting in my bath reading words and being like, what does this mean? Something as simple as Eckhart Tolle, like not that that's simple at all, but in a way it kind of is not that complex. And what you're saying for some people in that space, sitting in that space. And I, I know that space well. I'm sad to say I don't function from that nearly as often as I should. But in that space you're talking about is where we have everything, all of our needs met, like you're saying, that we no longer need to take ownership in relation to the things around us. And for someone who's just getting on the spiritual journey and tuning into that message that you just so beautifully channeled and talked about, it can sound like, fuck, but what, how do I get there? What is that? Which coincidentally in this manifestation process that we teach at To Be Magnetic, that is your space of worth and deservingness, not in that, you know, like patriarchal sense, exactly what you're talking about. It's your space of true whole worthiness. What would you say to the person who is just at the brink of sort of understanding what that means or how to get there in quietness, which I think is actually a journey to find that space when you're new to meditation and new to silence? What do you say to that person? Yeah, the mechanisms of getting there are many. And if the silence feels like too intense of a place to begin, which it is intense, it's totally intense to settle down your mind and realize there's a knowingness and beingness that's completely separate from your thinking mind. Your thoughts are not coming from source. And the thoughts that you've been trained into are coming from a busy, transactional, extractive form of reality that you've been trained into. And so everything's transactional. Everything is a balancing of, well, what will I get out of that? What will somebody else get out of that? You've got this constant riffraff going in your head that has nothing to do with abundance, that has nothing to do with your own sovereignty, that has nothing to do with your own capacity for revelation, for your capacity for manifestation, this magnetic nature that you're talking about here with your podcast. Those things come certainly through that silent space. But if you haven't been able to get there to that yet, it's largely probably because you've had a pretty comfortable life. Uh, I find that the more comfort we put around ourselves and the more we resist discomfort, the more separate we become from the reality that we should be living in or we have the opportunity to live in. That reality is one of constant motion. If you go into a rainforest and, and watch just for you know, an hour, sit at the base of a tree in a forest system or a mountain system or a waterfall and stare at that waterfall for an hour and recognize that there is nothing the same second to second, minute to minute. And that forest and those trees that seem to be so still, the pattern of light that filters through those constantly moving canopies that are pumping water and nutrients up from soil systems, 80, 100, 150 feet up into the air, 
through a vascular system that is so exquisitely designed to pump nutrients into this vertical state of, of motion. And the birds and the squirrels are traveling through the canopy and the monkeys are there. If you've been down in the Amazon, they're seeing all the different levels of life and then the exquisiteness of the butterflies that are so unpredictable in their flight path. They love their the way in which they almost jump to and fro within the air. And then in my woods in Virginia where I live, the the rabbits are in this constant hilarious state of just rabbitness. They're so friggin' alert and they're little twitching whiskers and when they they don't see you there for a moment and and they're just enjoying themselves there's something about the word rabbitness that i just love i want to be have more rabbitness in my life where i'm just so alert of the state of being right here right now and smelling the soil i'm smelling and tasting the sprouts that i'm eating right now whatever it is that that state and then almost this effervescent joy that's percolating in me because i know at some point something's going to move and I'm going to be called into action and it's going to look to somebody else like I'm running away. But in fact, I'm running to be more rabbit. I am running so that I can show you how fast I can jump and how fast I can fly through the woods and how I can evade all dangers because I am rabbit, not because I'm scared. And so this this state of being that you can get yourself into is so easy when you just access it through nature. And so go into nature. If you can't find your own silence, find the magic in in the natural systems around you. Find that beauty of knowingness of being within the waterfall, within that squirrel, within that rabbit. And so I think those are access points that everybody can get to, even if you've led a, a super comfortable life. And going back to the beginning of the podcast, I would tell you that you'll know you're on the right path when you start to be willing to let go of the artificial or, you know, kind of subsidiary realities that you've created to keep yourself comfortable. And when you start letting go of those and you start to sense discomfort in the friction between your newfound freedom and the motion you're getting out of that and the old relationships or reality around you that freedom is going to be your first sign. The friction and discomfort that's caused by that will be your first sign that you're on your path. You are now stepping into flow at the soul level rather than some sort of human construct version of your reality that you're supposed to or expected to walk through. Man, so powerful. I'm In my mind, I'm like theorizing so many things. I'm like, shelter's the problem. <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like, how did we get so disconnected? Which, you know, there are so many reasons and how. But that's so powerful. And I love that to access it through nature. Incredible. That's a great observation, really. That that observation that shelter is a big problem. I, I 100% agree with that. You know, the, the air-conditioned spaces, the quietness when you shut your l- windows and doors, can't hear the insects and the vibrations of the frogs all night. Uh, those things were designed in a complexity of vibration that allowed mammals to occur. Mammals are the result of this, this higher and higher capacity for life on this planet to hold light energy and vibration. That's, that's how life occurs. All life, anything solid, whether it be a tree or a human, we are a particle expression of a waveform of a light being And so a tree, a flower, a human, a squirrel, that rabbit, these are all emanating particle states of a vibration that is saying to the world around it, rabbit, Zach, whatever it is, and we manifest here. And with each maturation of life on this planet, the life beings have been capable of holding more light energy. We're literally 
the amount of electromagnetic field that we release from carbon molecules through the density of mitochondria within our cells and all of this, this metabolic capacity of life, multicellular life on, on the planet was a huge leap forward. We went from single-celled organisms that can hold very small amounts of light to multicellular organisms that could hold so much light that they needed fiber optic cables between their cells to be able to share all the light. And that's what your body now is, is 70 trillion human cells laced together by a fiber optic network to control the light energy and the vibrational capacity you have. And somebody came along and told you that you were a student in kindergarten or you're an employee or you're a mom or you're somebody's son and there's expectations of that role. No, you are a freaking light being. And when you show up in the light, when you show up reverberating within your vibrational capacity and you tie yourself into natural systems, you get to hold more light. And so what I'm asking each of us to do is step out of the shelter of human constructs, whether that be the, the shelter of your home or the shelter of your exclusive relationships. Step out of the shelter that we've created to keep ourselves safe and start to explore freedom and expansion and real light explosive capacity. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child, and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. It's so interesting because the way the ways that this is showing up in my direct community, I have quite a few friends who have moved to buy land, you know, and are growing their own food and and more of this regenerative lifestyle, which still lends itself to quite a bit of shelter. But yeah, it's just it's really interesting because I feel like they still and myself included, this is us, are running from something. It's like the rabbit. They're not running to something. It's freedom, yes, in a way, but it's also reactive. It's emotionally reactive. And what you're starting to 
nail on the head is like actual deep connection back to source, being a light being, nature, consciousness, and less about many of the questions. I I actually sent out a really big text to quite a few friends. I'm like, what are your questions for Zach today? And it's like, what's the motherland in the US best place to escape microplastics and healthiest soil and water? And it's so funny because that's not at all what's really going to make the change and what we've kicked this episode off with. It's really what you're talking about. It's, it's true connection, consciousness, and mindfulness. Yes, I believe that's true. I, I think there is a fight or flight state that's been triggered within us. And that fight or flight state is spurring us on to those obvious questions of you know, how do we escape the chaos? How do we create our bubble. And, you know, you're exactly spot on that. Unfortunately, that's the opposite in some ways of what we have to do. You know, I'm heading in the next couple of days down to the Navajo Nation to spend time just listening uh, to one of the elder women there. There's just such a need for us to, to shut up, stop running from things and start really seeking this, this deeper quietness within us. And I know that there's an indigenous knowingness in me that comes from my deep indigenous roots that we each have dating back thousands of years and you know my indigenous wisdom probably buried under thousands of years of empire rise and fall and conquest and colonialism and slavery and everything else we've induced but that's still there i know when i'm in that quiet place within me man do i know the vibration of the whisker of a rabbit do i know the feeling of, of a butterfly on my hand. And I got to experience this down in the Amazon a couple of weeks ago. I was blessed to be with the Achuar tribe down there. And this is the last indigenous people that touched what we call modern civilization. They, they made contact in 1994. They were the very first indigenous people to reach out to the West for contact rather than the opposite being the typical. Wow. They reached out being the dream people. They had started to see that the destruction of the world was imminent and that humanity was destroying itself through its destructive relationship to nature. They could see the destruction and the burning of their own rainforest that have been home to their tribes for 40,000 years. They saw the end was nigh. And so they reached out to the West and made contact through dream work to start calling Westerners into their civilization, which they did successfully make contact and called these people in who had been dreaming these faces. And they called in a couple of Westerners who would, would create you know, Pachamama Alliance and all these you know, structures, but more than anything else, they are echoing the call of the Achuar to the West, which is the West needs to redream its reality because it is in complete conflict with natural systems and therefore it is threatening its own existence and the existence of our home. And so to be welcomed back into the home of humanity with the Achuar was stunning. They, they just have such a deep knowingness that we are all home. There's no running to be had. We are home. And if we will just simply change our mindset of our role within this spectacularly beautiful home, which we've been gifted, everything can right itself. There's nothing that needs to be created. There's nothing that needs to be discovered. There's needs to be a listening back into this nature, back into our natural systems, a re-awareness, a remembering of consciousness, as you might call it, or our sense of self, that self-awareness within the context of these nature systems. And so whether it be the Achuar or the First Nations people of the United States, 
I'm diving in hard there because I know that if I don't understand home, I will continue to screw it up for myself, my children, my grandchildren. I am I'm losing the battle every day that I am not deeply aware of what home means. And what were some of the ways that they painted action, like the picture of action of how to remember and get back home and stay connected to source and consciousness in community with our planet and not needing to own things? I think that they want to demonstrate to everybody who visits, you know, the the simplicity of being alive. When you are truly alive and aligned with your self, there is no conflict. There is no sense of deficiencies. There's no sense of need. And there's a constant provision from nature. You know, when you walk into an Achuar home, these are huge, beautiful homes they build. They're, They're a couple thousand square feet under these huge grass palm roofs. And the palm roof is, you know, suspended above kind of this indoor outdoor living space that's protected by these huge roof systems. There's oftentimes about a third of it that are is kind of designated as the sleeping or, or home area where personal rest happens. But the rest of the life, the kitchen, the living room, the company, all you know, is in this single open aired space underneath the the roof canopy. And at one corner of that, there's a fire that burns inside to keep the palm leaves dry. The smoke from the fire goes up into these tall roofs that are 30, 40 feet high. And those uh, roofs are with the smoke then keep the mold and everything else out. And so it's this just beautiful architecture that's emerged from their knowingness of how to coexist in the jungle. And this indoor-outdoor living is is striking because when you see their their fire, which is their kitchen, there is no storage. There's no cabinets. There's no refrigerator. Instead, they get up every morning and they walk out into the jungle. And just as they have for 40,000 years, they walk back home with whatever they're going to eat for the day. And so just having such such a sense of provision on a daily basis is what they really wanted to show us. It's like you've forgotten that nature does provide for each of us when we take what we would want for the day. It's when we tried to sequester things around and we fill closets and storage units because our house is too full to hold all our stuff. That's when we've become so exploitive and extractive of our environment that we are no longer in a sustainable relationship to that nature. And so finding abundance is really the message is that you have no need and you are fully cared for and fully protected in this space that we would call home. And just opening your mind up to that possibility, I think, is is really the message for us to redream the West. We, we need to stop extraction and start creation. Well, this conversation makes all the rest of my questions really, <laughs> really <laughs> seem not worth asking. It's so powerful and it's so funny, you know, the tactical person inside of me is like, what's step one? What's step two? But it's really getting to that space and listening to our version for ourselves, where each of us are at, what step one of this is for us, what step two is, because I imagine it's a spectrum. I agree. Yeah. And it is a process, it's a journey. And and we don't have to feel guilty for not being at the end of the journey. I think that we need to embrace the opportunity for a process to start to be put in place for us to change socioeconomic structures, sociopolitical structures. And we can see signs of that. We're starting to see hope emerge of a new version. There are more people than I've ever seen before have sold their homes and 
Los Angeles or San Francisco and gone and bought property. And they're trying to become farmers for the first time in five generations. They're trying to farm where we see people that just want to go buy land and invite all of their friends to come live on the land and grow food together so they can just relax and have fun at the fireside at night. Well, that's exactly what the Ochoir have been doing for 40,000 years. They laugh so freely. Uh, the laughter of the tribe down there is something that I wish I could bottle for you, but so good that I can't because you're going to have to discover it for yourself. And the laughter around your kitchen table or whatever it is tonight, when you stop with all of the expectations and beliefs and subconscious limitations, I love the the episode you did with Bruce Lipton. He's such a genius but he, he lays it out so obviously that the, the conscious mind is our creative mind that's explosively you know, full of potential. But the 95% of our behavior dictated by the subconscious mind is mired in all of these dependent, exclusive relationships and beliefs that are stealing 95% of our potential. And so it, when you start to let go of those limitations... And you start to listen into that source and say, oh, hell yes, I am a natural being. I am a light being and I am vibrating. And I know when I'm vibrating at a high frequency because I get goosebumps all over and I feel joy and I feel like this natural orgasmic energy with me. I'm in an ecstatic state because I am Zach this morning. I have let go of enough that I woke up Zach this morning. And that's different than waking up as an employer or waking up as an employee or a dad or a mom. Wake up as you and then let that light vibration inform the other relationships around you, whether it be your child or whatnot. If you start to see yourself subservient to your child's needs, you're going to, to ultimately steal that child's potential because they are only going to know a codependence with you. So what does it mean as a parent to have the discipline of showing up me first. You're going to have to take that silent moment enough times in the day to be you, show up as you, the, your vibration, and then let the child enjoy the space next to you that's no longer trying to be defined by you. No longer are you a good parent or a bad parent or a proud parent, all these toxic things. You are actually you. And in so doing, you can allow that child to emerge as them. And as that child becomes all child, all self, you will start to see a different experience of growth, a maturation start in there in that child at a much younger age than anybody would have expected. The wisdom that would come out of a five-year-old who's been allowed to be in silence is ridiculous. That is what we should be doing podcasts with is kids who have spent some time in nature and silence and hear what they heard, see what they saw, and that, that would inform what the future should look like. Amen. Okay, so <laughs> I, there are other questions that I definitely want to ask you, but I feel like as I wrap my head around, even as someone who's a consumer such as myself, I love design, I love all of these things, but my soul definitely cries for nature, for growing my own food, which is, you know, things we've begun in Topanga. We have an acre, there's only so much we can do here. But what I'm hearing from you is certainly getting into that quiet space, getting into nature, getting quiet, and really starting to live one with the planet and community. Yeah, I think it's a good summary. So it's really the message in spirituality <laughs> since the beginning of time, essentially. I think so. I think so. And, and the whole message is that you are loved. You are so loved, and therefore you showed up. Uh, you could not have shown up if you were not 
laced into the fabric of reality, if you weren't laced into the fabric of the literal beauty that is our reality. Fabric of everything is beauty, and you are part of that. The experience of witnessing beauty is love. Everything that witnesses you is experiencing love for you. When you touch a tree or a plant, we've been able to measure the impact you have on that organism. That organism loves being touched and approached by you. That plant, that tree will vibrate at a different pitch, literally. You can measure the EEG-like change in the neurology of that plant when you go and hug that tree. I have so far to go because I walk by so many trees in a day and don't say thank you. I'm in such a rush. I'm doing this or that. There's so much opportunity to be witnessed to and be witnessed by nature. And when we are witnessed by nature, we are loved deeply. And so the spiritual experience of being in that silence is that you're going to start to realize that you are seen and you are heard. And therefore, in the sensing of you and the witness of you, there is the necessity for love back towards you, for you are part of the beauty of nature. You are inseparable from the sunrise or the sunset that lights up the sky. And no people group, no part of history has ever required the education of that is beautiful. We know the beauty inherently, intrinsically. It's within us. We understand the vibration of beauty of the rose or the sunset, the butterfly, because it's part of our knowingness of who we are. We are a vibrational energy in, in the same way each of those things are. And we can witness one another as we would witness that sunset. We could see the beauty. You are enough. You are loved. And once we start to approach that space, then we can start to understand that, wow, this whole narrative that we've spun for ourselves as individuals and as a community and as a society and as a species, the narrative was so full of failures and dysfunction and broken expectations and abandonment and frailty and whatever else you want to put into the narrative there. And it's because we have so lost our sense of self in within the context of that fabric of beauty. And therefore, we, we came to believe that we were unloved because we could not be witnessed, because we had so hidden ourselves from those around us, from the nature around us. And in hiding, we created the belief that there was a scarcity of love and nobody could hear us or see us or understand us. That's total BS. And I've told myself that kind of shit all my life. Oh my gosh, nobody understands me. There's such a sob story in there. And it's total BS because I am not projecting myself. If I will show up, everybody will see me because I'm freaking light. I'm 10,000 times brighter than the sun. I am emanating light energy. And everybody will see me, whether they know it or not, if I will shine. But through this crippling belief of what success is, what parenting is, what any of these levels are, we so diminish that light and we don't show up. And so we do not register on the, on the sensory system of those that are around us and we hold it against them and we, we damn them for it. Oh, they don't understand me. They don't love me enough. They don't do this for me or, they're so selfish, whatever it is. Like, no, they, they can't even see you because you're sitting there hiding in your, your sense of selflessness. So looking at the issues, especially the ones that I think you highlight the most, that are the most detrimental to the planet and species, you know, we've talked about it, like the pesticides and all of the, the problems as we are contributing in society we're living in society, you know, if we 
aren't able to fully kind of go off the grid and build these communities and have the farms like immediately, how do we participate in society while making a change against that? Because it's so intertwined in every aspect to packaging. I mean, the xenoestrogens and just the environment from offsetting stuff that's being created. How do each of us individually begin to make a change with that? There are seismic effects to your small actions. And so some simple ones would be uh, to begin the day or find a time of the day where you can be in that silence. And then from that, listen to your next steps. So listen within instead of to me. But the way in which it's likely to manifest, I think, is through an action that expresses autonomy, that expresses independence and expresses a sense of your own sovereignty. And you'll often express that by recognizing the sovereignty of somebody else. And so this might look like you growing a single mint plant in the window uh, if you don't have a backyard or plant some wildflowers instead of a lawn. You know, do some things to just fundamentally change the environment around you where you go from highly controlled and and micromanaged systems and start to let nature re-engage with you. Uh, so redesign the home with p- more plant life, start to grow things, grow some food, whether it be a mint plant or a tomato or a pepper plant, pick something simple, grow something in a pot to begin, and then move yourself back into that you know sense of nurture and relationship to earth. The next thing that it might manifest as is sitting down with somebody you, you don't know. I sat down by this guy in, in Los Angeles last time I was there. LA is in complete collapse right now. There's so much homelessness. There's so much poverty that's exploded there. And I sat down on the sidewalk just to like get a moment with this guy who was sitting there. He had his you know bowl out and was collecting bucks to see if he could buy some food or something that day. And freaking fascinating. The guy's got a master's degree in theology back in the day, and he's now in his 60s and he's homeless. And He's spent much of his life in Cambodia, like just unbelievable stories in this guy who all of us were just walking by as if he was, you know, a washed up piece of refuse in the in the social experiment of success. And yet he's got this deep wisdom in him and he just he ended up doing this blessing over me, like was so ridiculous. Like I was like, wait, what? You're blessing me right now? Like it was so not what you're expecting. And it was very much like going into meet with Yachwar. It takes days to get this deep in the Amazon. When you finally arrive on the, in these bush planes that land in the middle of the jungle and you land down in there and then you're about to get on canoes to go deeper into the jungle. And I'm watching the, all of these Achwar tribal members loading these little bush planes with all of this cargo. And I'm like, holy smokes, and boxes and boxes of stuff. Finally go over to the one of our guides and ask, What's, what the heck is going out of the jungle in all these boxes? They were shipping food to their children that were living in Quito and going to school there. And they were recognizing the devastating effects of the Western food on their children. So they were shipping manioc and all these you know root vegetables and, and fresh papaya out of the jungle to their children so they could eat healthy. And so whether it be the homeless person that's going to bless you today with a richer spiritual knowingness than you're in touch with, or the Achwar that will send the last remnants of healthy food on their planet to their children that are living in the big fancy cities, we need to be humbled by what we've walked away from, what we have discredited, what we have seen as as failure, 
we need to humble ourselves to recognize there's a singularity in the universe and whatever is in the mind of that homeless person is in the mind of you. There's a, a just a frail, frail veneer of sociopolitical and technological stuff that you put around yourself that keeps you from being on the street. It is a very, very fragile reality around us. And if we don't acknowledge that there's 150 million new families in poverty due to the decisions we made towards social distancing and this fear of a virus and all that, and we don't wrap our heads around what the ramifications of that is that isolationism has had on humanity, we will accelerate this this extinction event. So sit with somebody you've never met. It doesn't need to be a homeless person. Maybe it's an elderly person who's isolated today. Go meet an elder. Uh, see if you can volunteer in a hospice and sit on the bedside of somebody who's dying today. Learn from their vantage point. They sit on the edge of a cliff looking over the vast expanse of life. At that moment, they're about to release and go into total freedom from the particle state of their vibrational being. Go talk to that person. Volunteer. Sit there. Go speak with somebody who's just been pulled in as a refugee from Syria or from Afghanistan sit and listen to what it feels like to have your entire family history and your place of home destroyed by some abstract war that is being fought by people that have never seen your village, have never seen your home, have never seen your children who were killed or orphaned in the war. Sit with this tragedy that is there, not just to be wallowing in the, in the victimhood of it. You're going to find out that when you sit with these people, it's not the victim stuff they want to tell you. They want to tell you the beauty. They want to tell you how beautiful their home in Syria was. They want to tell you the lineage, the deep experience there. They want to tell you the most exquisite parts of what it should look like to be alive so that you can come out of your half-dead state. They could witness you being half dead because you have been in comfort. You have not had the friction of life challenges necessary to tear away the fragile beliefs and and facade that you have put up. The mask needs to be ripped off and theirs has been ripped off, whether it's by the cancer in the hospice bed or the war in, in the streets of Syria. Their mask has been ripped off and they are in a raw state of being fully alive. And they will tell you what it feels like to have lost their loved ones, their homes, and everything else. And what it feels like is more vivid state of being alive. You can feel the tragedy of it, the heartbreak of it, but you can see the beauty in the lives that have been lived, the ways in which they let go and still holding on to their own self-respect and their reverence, their sense of sovereignty when they let go of that body, when they let go of that mind. We have so many opportunities for each of you to radically shift your sense of reality. And you're going to do it in these seemingly tiny moments of listening to another human being, sitting quietly with a tree, engaging back with living systems. You are half dead each day, and your soul is screaming out for it. So your depression, your generalized anxiety, your insomnia, the crawling sensation you have under your skin, I have felt all of these things. In the last few days, weeks, months, years, decades of my life, I have felt those things on a near daily basis because I am striving to become more awake and alive. And I want to pay attention to the friction so that I can find out what I'm holding on to so that I can surrender it faster and can release myself more fully into the flow of being alive. If I am doing anything to diminish my living state, then I am not being a a good steward to the soul in which I embody. 
I need to release so much in my life before I become totally free. And if you will do that with me, we can create an extraordinary freedom together. I mean, it's really powerful. It's, this has been an incredibly powerful conversation for me, and I hope everybody listening as well. That's amazing. What have you been up to lately, aside from, obviously, all these really, really incredible meetings and experiences in your practice? What have you been up to? Yeah, there are so many exciting projects that are you know emerging from the the teams of people around me now. You know, we're very excited about uh, the maturation of the science around the microbial intelligence. So we have just in the last few weeks uh, released a new product on the market. It's a new connection source to the microbiome through skin, and so it's just been a really exciting journey for me to look differently at each person I see, the wrinkles in our face, the sun and everything else that it reflects back out of our skin. It's been almost a year and a half now doused in the science of the skin and keratinocytes and all these amazing cell systems in there. So I'm excited for everybody to to see this skin world through a different lens, perhaps. Ion Skin Support is the name of that new science and experience. And so we'd love for you guys to just see yourselves differently and realize the microbes are actually capable of creating a a language of repair and resilience in the face of sunshine. We shouldn't be hiding from the sun just as we should not hide from viruses. Uh, We need to welcome the sun back into our lives and we would have seen a fraction of the mortality that we saw from coronavirus if we just had adequate vitamin D levels, but we've been hiding too long from the sun under our sunscreens, under our shelters and everything else we've created. So that's been exciting. And then we have seen the maturation of a two-year project called Biome Capital. Biome Capital is uh, outspringing from our nonprofit, which is called Project Biome. Our first project there was Farmer's Footprint, where we were looking at the you know impact of agricultural systems and the exciting impact of regeneration in the form of soil management and human capital, social capital that is necessary to transform within the food systems. Food systems have long been based on slavery, and, and our system today is very much still reinforcing slave uh, labor and, and slavery type conditions on our food growers and our, our harvesters around the world. Uh, who are making your plate colorful tonight, recognize the slavery there and and give grace to the humans that have been willing to survive what they are to collect the food that you're eating right now and then make steps to reconnect to that food system so that it's not such an abstract removed system. So Biome Capital is a new uh, impact investment fund that's looking at helping family offices, high net worth individuals and corporations and CPG companies all start to realize that they are stakeholders in a humanitarian crisis and have an opportunity for a humanitarian revolution as we reconnect all of these systems to real value systems that are based in natural law. So biomecapitalpartners.com gives you a little glimpse of what's going on there. If you have people that are in corporations or in large spaces of influence and are interested in moving into impact investing for a different future of food systems, it's an exciting new platform for that. And it excites me to see the stakeholders that are coming at us from the biggest food companies in the world all the way to some of the largest farms and families in the country, all the way down to individuals in the developing world who are still farming less than two acres, uh, small micro farmers here in the U.S. that are getting a foothold and creating micro niche markets for themselves to be successful at the, at the less than five acre level. And so it's very exciting for me to see just how all of these things are unfolding. 
Uh, I believe that as we come into alignment with our natural systems, there's going to be so many solutions that we at the moment cannot even imagine. So those are some of my favorite projects right now. Uh, but we are also diving in with the First Nations people and all this with a new f- overriding philosophy. And so we believe if we, we change the science of philosophy, which is the, the only pure science that we have on the planet, we will reconnect fundamentally to our nature and, and change it. So that's why we're, we're traveling around so extensively right now. We are listening. We are trying to find the indigenous wisdoms that we have all forgotten and have been distanced within us to reconnect, to remember, and to begin as a society to recognize that a new foundation of philosophy built within nature could lead to revelatory changes in our sociopolitical system and the ways in which we align monetary systems to you know, abstract states right now, but to really engaged capital that can really fundamentally change the way in which we interact with nature and with one another. So all these projects get me excited and uh, excited to have this whole community participate. If you want to jump in and learn more, uh, ZachBushMD.com, the Global Health Education Summit every month has been a big revelatory project that we started at the beginning of COVID, recognizing a lack of, of good science and, and deep dive conversations around the public health issues at hand. And so we've covered everything from death and dying to rebirth to infertility to heart disease to the pandemic and everything. So uh, dive deep there, the Global Health Initiative there on ZachBushMD.com. You you can see more on the soil and science stuff on IntelligenceOfNature.com. And that website's got a whole new look at at how uh, the microbial system is uh, regenerating health within the gut and the sciences within the skin all of these systems of communication. So those are some access points for you and uh, excited for you guys to continue to engage with our nonprofit farmersfootprint.us is the easy place to get in support of the farmers there. And I have personally gotten to try the Ion Skin support and I know Jessica has been loving it. I mean, maybe I've been under a rock, but I don't think I have because I feel like I know a little bit about how important the uh, microbiome, or I guess what would you call it? The well, you would still say the microbiome on the skin, right? Is how I refer to it, basically. That's right. And not disrupting it. And this is only something I learned. I would say four years ago through Nadine Artemis actually turned me on to this. We have a wonderful podcast episode with her, and she really turned me on to you know when cleansing only pits and privates, your microbiome on your skin is doing a tremendous amount of work for you. So that is something I'd like to just dive into a tiny bit further, because I think a lot of people are still unaware of this and using products that are really disrupting it rather than feeding it and just letting it do its job, like getting in the way of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is amazing how we've overlooked the skin so remarkably. And I would say we did that for centuries to the gut as well. But we've overlooked the two largest ways in which we communicate with the world around us. And that's the, the gut and the skin. Uh, the skin is a couple meters in skirt surface area and it just ties together billions of these little cells called keratinocytes that make up our deep dermis layer, which is a boundary event. And it's a boundary between the outside world and ultimately the the plasma of our bloodstream and the extracellular matrix and all of this. And so this boundary event of the skin is made of tight junctions, which happen to be the same boundaries that make up your, your gut. The concept of leaky gut has been popularized now over the last decade of education from many different you know, alternative health all the way to Western medicine now. And it turns out that the exact same thing for the same reasons has occurred in the skin. We have leaky skin. 
when you have leaky skin, you, you dehydrate very quickly and you lose about a liter of fluid through your skin a day when you're, when you have unhealthy skin, uh, getting the tight junctions rebuilt there, which is what we've been working on with this microbial communication network that we've been studying. You can preserve the water within the, the cellular state so much more effectively. And of course that drying effect of the skin is exactly what accelerates aging. And it's the dysfunction of our cells under sun exposure. All that is due to chronic dehydration. And so getting the, the hydration capacity of the gut, just like the skin, are two of your pathways towards the, the really fundamentals of anti-aging. And so protecting water is lesson one in your effort towards living more fully. And number two, then, is really around communication. And so the resilience of your skin in the face of sunshine or in the face of any other insult is going to depend on how much cell-cell communication there is. And that the microbes are the responsible for producing that wireless communication is pretty phenomenal. So as you said, there's the, the reality of the potential. But what we do instead of supporting this microbial intelligence is we take chlorine baths and showers. And the chlorine is a potent antibiotic, antimicrobial, anti-yeast, antifungal. It's destroying the microbiome within the skin. Uh, you go to the swimming pool, you're hours in the chlorine there. You, you go and do your spa treatment day and you're in the hot tub or you're in whatever experience there. And then you're getting some sort of microderma peel and then you're getting, which is an acid destroying the microbiome. Then you're getting retinols put in there and the retinoids are potent oxidants to the skin system. That's why they're so drying. And all of these systems that we've been handed and then, of course, there's something as extreme as Botox. We're injecting a neurotoxin into people's skin so they have less wrinkles as an adaptive you know, behavior. It's just ludicrous that we are so abusive. And then on that leaky skin that's now leaking due to too much chlorine, too much antibiotics, too much steroids, too much non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and ibuprofen, Motrin, all these things breaking down these tight junctions where leaky skin, leaky gut – and then we put on makeup and there's 120, 160, somewhere in that range, chemicals that are endocrine disruptors and carcinogens that the typical American woman is exposed to every day in her cosmetics. And so uh, we're pouring chemicals into this leaky skin and it just ends up straight into our bloodstream, straight onto the ovary, all of the rest. And so much of the toxicity that we see in infertility and endocrine disruptions, metabolic disarray, chronic fatigue, sleep disorders poor sex drive, uh, mood disorders, anxiety disorders, all of this are due to chronic disruption of gut and skin barrier systems and the neuroendocrine communication that comes out of those spaces. I'm guilty of, God, a couple of those too. I've just gotten back into the retinol piece, even though I stayed away from all of that for a while. Um, but it gets back to that mask piece, the deeper subconscious reprogramming. It's a lot to, to think about after this podcast, but I really want to sit and I want to meditate on this. So I'm really grateful for your time and this wonderful conversation that I think is going to be inspirational to so many. And I can't wait to continue this conversation with my direct community as well. So I just really want to thank you. Lacey, thanks for having me. I'm so appreciative to all you in the audience. Thank you for your time, your attention. You helped channel all that as much as I did. So thank you for being a part of that ex human experience that we just shared. Absolutely. And wishing you a beautiful day saving the world. Amen to that. <laughs> live, live full. Live full. Thank you so much, Zach. You bet. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. 
And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this, you'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the WISE, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week. <laughs>